Talk Recorded live.
Maybe it's uneasy. They put it back. And it was a good year, but it was a year of tremendous uneasy. Challenges. I want to tell you one of the reasons. Body, society, much of it is still stuck in system. We grew up in denomination. A lot of us came out of churches that studied at Latin American Bible Institute. There's nothing wrong with it. And I get to see many of those that have graduated. Sam and I ourselves came out of a Baptist institution and uh, graduated from Baptist College, the Southern Baptist U. And
hug and sneak out to the bathroom feature was huge bathroom search. Huge. And I started sneaking out and I was about halfway through. Little boy! You know, just didn't stop. <laughs> but I had to crawl back. But anyway, what, what, what we're at right now, this is what it is, is because we're in such a place with a great anointing and great Bible and an awakening that's coming to this place. With the awakening, it's coming this, a numbness to the things of God that keep you out. And if people say, well, I'll just come back after I'm through playing. You know what? What, what is that called, little B? When, in the, when, when the Amish, when they have their time of... Yeah. Is that what it's with? Yeah. And when you're into, they, they get out there and play in the world, then they get to come back. Right now, no time for that. Because as intense as God is getting, that's how intense the devil's getting. And I'm not saying it's out of fear. I'm just leading out the facts, okay? I'm not, I'm not like... I'm not a, those of you that have been with me for so long, I'm not a fear monger saying, hey, it's heaven or hell. This, you know, this is a long time since I've ever even mentioned this. You know, sometimes they say tongue-in-cheek, the teens are heaven-bound on Sunday, hell-bound on Monday because of, of the way that things are all the time. If you're a young man, the age of true accountability actually in worldly sociological and psychological arenas is that a, a man isn't truly a man and think like a man until he's 25. That's why insurance companies will not, will not even give you a break until you're 25. That's where your first break comes. Because you're not worth the investment when you're under 25. A car. And, and they'll say, under 25. And so in the church, a lot of times we put a lot of emphasis on youth, but youth really don't leave their youthfulness until they're after 30. Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was 33. So young men, more importantly with young men, look up this way right quick. I'm going to make a statement, but it's not a put down. You don't know what you're doing, and don't make proper decisions until you're in your mid-20s. Why? Because physiologically, it can't happen. You don't have the... The, the, the chemicals and, and the, the hormonal balance in your brain to make those decisions until you surpass that age. Isn't it funny that, 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 that they, they, dentists can tell when wisdom teeth come in, but isn't that something that wisdom teeth really don't come into their own until you're in, tw- in your 20s? It's kind of interesting that they call them wisdom teeth and they come in at that time, but I... I you know, I never looked it up to study that, but I'm just I'm saying, isn't that interesting? Because when I was a kid, I thought I was new. I knew, I thought I knew what I was doing. And when I was a tw- kid, I started being um, doing things on my own outside of the house at 12 years old. Stupid thing. And each time, I thought I knew what I was doing. Isn't that I was in my 20s, thought I knew what I was doing. And then I got saved, and I thought, man, look at all this. I, my doctrines were solid. But my doctrines were so solid that I didn't care for God's people. I was using the words to beat them up. I was not. We moved to Colorado when, I was, when we were in our 30s. And I then began to jump all the theology into a lump and try to pick it up piece by piece. And I realized I've been dogmatic over peripheral 
You know what peripherals are? You know, a lot of times they say the main thing, the state of the main thing, and sometimes we pick up all these other side issues that have nothing to do with life, that have nothing to do with people. We had to realize that God's people were the most important commodity that he, that, that, that he possesses as his people. And we argue over our tongues for today or not. You know what? You don't agree with tongues? You're going to have less of a good life, but you're, you're welcome. You don't believe in healing? You'll leave quicker than us, but we love you. I'm just, I'm being truthful. You don't believe in the prosperity God sets up for his people? That's okay. This won't have what God's people, you just won't live up to the level of God's people. But I'm going to bring all that into order right now. Because we were taught these things as foundational doctrines so that we can bring it all together for such a time as this. Because I'm coming back full circle to what I started with right now. In this year, what you have learned up to this point is going to be very necessary for you to enter into what God, the fullness of what God has. We're not going to be word of faith people. We're not going to be uh, we're not going to be Calvary Chapel people. We're not going to be Southern Baptist people. We're not going to be we're going to be a boss with all things coming to the front. We're not going to be the prophetic movement. We're not going to be the love movement. All of those things were important. But because of the type of people we are in the United States, we learn how to segment. We learn how to love. We learn what the righteousness is. Righteousness has everything to do with grace and freedom. If Joseph Prince preaches that, everybody gets mad at you. Why? Do you have people license to sin? No. He, if you listen to him very carefully, he's telling you that this is to serve God. It isn't so you can serve yourself. But we've used Love to serve ourselves. Prosperity to love to serve ourselves. Grace and freedom to serve ourselves. You know what? Every arena, see, through the Bible in two years, let's do it. That's all good and that's all important. But that's not all there is. You don't learn the Bible just so you can have knowledge. You learn the Bible so that you can begin to use what God has said. Because everywhere through the Old Testament, Paul said it's examples. Are we learning from the examples or are we camping out as doctrines for the examples? Because a lot of us are real good at knowing that God will... God doesn't tolerate sin. That's why we live in grace. Plain and simple. So, here's, if you were called to be frontline people, I'm not saying that's a test feature. Why are you as though it's strange that you're going to fire your fire? When I read that, I'm thinking like, but then I got found out. And those that are called to the front line, you know why financially sometimes you're struggling? Do you know why sometimes some things you don't have? Do you know why all this stuff happens? Because front line people always need supply. Why? Because you're the first exhausted. Let's put ourselves in a place of being in, in an army. If you're on the front line and you're engaging the enemy, you're behind enemy lines. Let's be practical. You're out of gas quicker. You're, because you need vehicles, you need planes, you need bombs, you need weapons. Am I telling you the truth? And what does the word of God say? The weapons of your warfare are not carnal. Oh, weapons. Let's just go to the book of Ephesians. What are you given when you when you come when you're born again? You don't even enlist. When you're born again, you will armor. Welcome to the body of Christ. Here's your shield of faith. Here's your breastplate. Here's the belt of truth. Here's the shoes so that you can go out there with the preparation. Here are different types of soldiers. 
Satan's dominion, Satan's, Satan's uh, 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 fruit, if you will. It's like God's throwing it out there. He, way back at the Garden of Eden, he said, if y'all walk out of this, this is going to happen to you. So what did he do? He cursed Adam and Eve. No, he didn't. He read off what was going to occur in their lives because they walked out. It's the people of God gave them a disease to remind them. No. And can I tell you something? Everyone say sin and its penalty is progressive. So watch. Where's the example? You see God's people sin? hundred years later, the curse finally came upon them. Then they cried out to God. 100 years later, a deliverer was raised. Trip out on that. Now, because we're in Christ, our deliverance comes quicker because we're living in the deliverer. Are, are you listening to what I'm saying? You know what keeps you from being delivered? Your mind. Okay. Because what he has already said has been done. A lot of times we're crying out to God for stuff you already have. You know what we're like? Ms. Esther said it. Children of God are either babies or grown. So if you're sitting there crying out to God for water and you got a faucet in your kitchen, you're a baby. True. You just need to grow up. It's not a foot down. We need to grow up. 2016 is a year of great advances that are coming to the body. Let's grow up. Let's really find out what the Word says. And I'm going to get into the Word right now. Find out what the Word says and do it. Let's be absolute in the Word. Don't spread your extreme view on anybody. Let them grow. We're, the church got so stupid about you shouldn't be smoking. It's a sin. You got to bring them in to where it's no longer the sin that keeps them from doing anything else. Let them grow. You don't find out what they're doing. Sometimes people can find out on the pastor, oh, man, how could you let me just curse and do all that stuff while I was around you? I said, God's been around you all along. I just represent it. That's why. You've been doing it in front of him all day long. That's people getting, most of the world does this because they already know that they, were not, they are where they're not supposed to be. And here's the funny thing. People are clamoring to come in while first and second generation Christians are clamoring to go out and taste the world. They want to taste what people are trying to run out of. Let me give you an example. Young people, look at me. Look up here. You know why people are running into the United States? Because it's a land of opportunity. You know why Americans aren't running and busting on the gates to run into Mexico? Because there's no opportunity. There are those to see. You know, there's businessmen that go in there and they do things. But watch this. You know why you're not running across the Rio Grande to get into the Sonora Desert? Because you'll die. Because <laughs> you're used to what you already have. <laughs> this is what it's like for those people to say, you know, one of my intros, you guys, David, and Manny, for the time, I say, hey, I use the Jesus building. That's people that all the time. Yeah, I'm asked Danielle that question. Are you Jesus? I think I already know. Because she was in my class since she was 13 years old. And I had the privilege, and I would see it. And I'd remark like that because she goes, he already knows. 
and, and, and a lot of, a lot, a lot, the majority that I meet out, colleges and, and, and some people, you know what they say? Not so good. Why? Because the call of the world is stronger. You know that the Bible says that we live off the rich deposit of what we put in? Jesus said, the, the deposit of what you have on the inside determines the things that come out of here. Determines what your heart is after. Have you ever done this what? Someone asked you if you want pie. You know why it's easy to say no at first? You didn't taste it. Stop and think about it because you didn't taste it. But someone gives you, I like cream pie. Doesn't show up. Watch, no. But and you get a little slice like that. Right? I only know that it's easy to go back for a second because that taste just stays with you. You know, they used to say about late potato chips and those things. You can't have just one. I mean, you know, especially those people who are watching what they eat, you pick up a lace potato chip, eat it, and then your fingers are a little greasy. But what? You want another one. I don't even want another one. So you go get another one. The next thing you know, you get a little tray. And you got them. Voice of experience. <laughs> Before I know it, the whole back comes. <laughs> but see, God tells you to do this too. Taste and see that He's good. Taste and see that He's good. Some of us have to go back and see how good He is. Young people, you're just missing the bad Children, you're Can I tell you something, young people? Man, he's not going to let you backslide. You know what backsliding is? Getting away from your call. Everyone says getting away from God. No, getting away from your call. That's what backsliding is. Getting away from your call. Hey, people, uh, there's all kinds of secrets that our young people left. And, and I want us to turn our Bibles right now to the book of Acts chapter 13. Now, that commentary was because I wanted you to know. Can I tell you something? You need to. When I pay for a church, I ask God for a bunch of business. You know why? Because we're a poor church. We need to be doing a lot. All prosperous business. You know why? Because I want you to give right. That's how God's economy works. Paul said, hey, man, am I wrong to expect something material from you? When I come, I kept, he was blunt, wasn't he? He was, you know what? I chose not to get a gift from you because I didn't want you to get a trip. I want you to, because you know what they say now? Oh, look at them preachers. Now, you know what? Some preachers are beautiful. You know, they turn every every message on TV into an opportunity to give. Come on. They brought the prophet a gift. I'm a prophet. You know what? When I start hearing that kind of stuff, I start thinking D R O what F I T. Okay, and so I just learned to turn it off before I start getting cynical. I spent a lot of years being cynical. You get behind the scenes of ministry, you see a lot of stuff, and what it is is easier to be transparent. Chapter thirteen. Uh, we'll get to twenty-two. We'll get to verse twenty-two. 
themselves to life. You know, even the lunar landing, the lunar ships, they would go off course even up to 90 degrees. So it was always going like this to get to the moon. You know, even with the fine-looking thing that we sent up there, the, the space shuttle, it looked like a big jet plane that could land and take off and everything. That thing was always going to wherever it was going because it would always go off course because left to its own if you depend on fate, get you somewhere, you won't because you'll go as the currents below you. You know, people say, what's fate that we met? You know what it is? It was an accident. But destiny has a destination point. When they circle those things back, they give you about 500-mile radius from where you'll end up on when you, when you land, when the, especially when the, the, the little capsules would come back. So they had ships in a 500-mile radius when you came down. You know what the, the astronauts were depending on? That everybody who was controlling stuff in Houston would get you back in time. That's faith. Bible faith is a lot the same way. God will tell you to go on into the impossible. And what do you have to do? Stay focused. And it says, uh, well, the winds will blow you off. Don't allow them. Don't allow to be moved off course by circumstances or situations. How many here have had situations that have almost stopped you from accomplishing the plan of God? How many here? Yeah. And it says, we're a people that are rising and we're not moved by what it is or how it looks, or where it's at. We're as solid as a rock. We declare circumstances are subject to change. If you choose to work with the circumstance, it will not change. You'll become muddled and entangled. How many here have ever tried to change a situation, and all you do is spin your wheels? You try to change. It, it, it was meant for you to be a distraction from the enemy. Now what? Let's get rid of 2015's baggage and move on. Because 2015, man, we are working at changing the way we think, the way that we act, the way that we react according to God's word. We're not called to cope with the situation. We're called to deal with the situation, and we deal with it swiftly. We, we lead through thoughts that are against the plans and purposes of God. We have to. We bring everything into subjection to the Word of God. Every decision you make is based on the Word. Where is the Spirit of God leading you? Sometimes we don't want to because you know where the Spirit of God leads a lot of times when dealing with human situations? Love. But it's not sappy love. It's a, it's a type of love that God exercises. Can I tell you it's the same exercise of God? It's the same kind of grace, love that God has towards you. We don't deserve it, but yet we're blessed. He doesn't take away the blessing because you messed up. Now what? Verse 20, and we're going to be at verse 22, but it says that he gave them judges until the time of the prophet Samuel. When they demanded a king, God gave them, God gave them Kish, son, Saul from the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And you know, Saul, he looked king. But you know what the people were? The people got ahead of God. 
of God. So grace doesn't free you to do your own thing. It teaches you. That's why the more you go into some place that God doesn't want you, there's a nag on the inside saying, no, 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 no. Why? Because he's, you, Joshua and Caleb, we're David to the next generation. We have to sacrifice all for this next generation. We are saying no to the Saul's in our life so they can so they don't have to have a Saul in their life. As a church, we're ending into Solomon's regime. We have to learn how to can I tell you something? The warfare we did in the past has to be left behind. Better into the peace that I want to bring. But everybody, if we're on the front lines, if we're a ministry that's built on the front lines, we have to be front line people. We have to be strong in the Lord. We have to listen to what God says, just like David did, and say, Lord, you notice that say he's commanded and said everything that God wished. We have to be like the like the the, the, the man who wanted the princess bride and said, as you wish. Even to his own demise. We'll watch a movie. It's really good. No, actually, get this, get this. (laughs) And it says, who will carry out my wishes? It was from this man's descendants that God, as he promised, brought Israel a savior who is Jesus. Before Jesus' appearance, John had already preached in the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. When John was finishing his work, he said, who do you think I am? You know what? There's a lot of there's a lot of guys that carry out that people want to get stupid with. You know who I am? John was already there, but he was speaking from God's sense. That's what we need to do: speak from where God is. You know that I'm who I am? I'm a child of the Most High God. I don't know what you think you're, you're messing with, but watch. No. But he said, "I I am not the Messiah. No, but He is coming after me, and I'm not worthy to untie the sandals on His feet." My brothers, descendants of Abraham's family, those who are among you. Who fear God, it is to us that the message of salvation has been sent. Guess what? Those of you that fear God, you're also descendants of Abraham, the message has come to you to give to this world. It's not a dead message. It's not an irrelevant message. You know what? You give it relevance because of who you are. Because you don't have to bring the culture into the body. The culture's in the body because you're this. If God's giving you a ministry of hipsters, it's because you're in a hipster environment. Go. Call them. Bring them in. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't put them down. Invade. Bring the gospel and bring them into the gospel, into the culture of the kingdom of God. And they can keep their culture appearance. Their, you know, their culture's appearance is fine. You know what? God isn't offended by hipsters. God's not offended by the people who work in Hollywood. Rock stars. He's not offended. We need people in that arena to bring them into the culture, into the arena that God has set forth. The kingdom of God has its own culture. You know what the culture is? Revival culture, but it also comes through your expression. Your style of music. Did you know that it was a sin to bring electric guitars into the church in the 60s? I'm serious. Larry Norman was one of the first who brought Christian worship in rock form into the church. And he used to sing a song that was really popular. Why does the devil have to have all the good music? (laughs) 
the man who penned the song, The Eve of Destruction, was now preaching the gospel and telling people how in the, in the age of Aquarius, when people were looking outward, he began, he, he, he sang a song about a cosmic cowboy who sees beyond. People thought, he's weird. But we're living those days that he saw back then. And so, for the people who live at Jerusalem, their leaders, not knowing who Jesus was, condemned him and so fulfilled the words of the prophets that read every Sabbath. Isn't that something they read about Jesus every every. Every, at the, every Sabbath, they read about Jesus, and they came, and they didn't recognize him. Isn't that amazing? Do you know that people have been looking towards these days today? Listen, they've been looking forward to these days. Now they're among them, and they're criticizing. You can't sit there and, con- and condemn sin. I'm condemning sin. You can't watch this movie. You can't watch that. Can I tell you something? Is God big enough in you to let you know what not to watch? A lot of people like their pastors to tell them what not to watch. You know why? Because they don't have to make decisions on their own. Because you, you, you live and fall based upon the decisions you make in life. Now, watch this. But see, you have a big call. Although they found no reason to sentence him to death, they asked Pilate to have him crucified. And when they had finished doing everything that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and placed him in the tomb. But God raised him from the dead. Truth in you, listen to me. The truth in you cannot be married. God will never stop bringing it back. So, as much, listen to me, as much as sometimes we don't want to fulfill the call, as much as we don't want to fulfill the call that's on our life, can I tell you something? Watch this. Frontline people don't have it easy. Did you know that the nose of the plane is, is meant to handle a lot of heat and friction? You know why God's called you? Because he's called you, and he, and he knows that you can bear a lot of heat and friction. Can I tell you something? It's not fun. No. Some of us fall under the pressure and begin to act out in the flesh. You know why? That's why we need to control and receive a new mind scan. Or did I say mind scan? I meant wine scan. Are you typing or Many are called. There's a ministry we're called to the front line. Maybe not you. Maybe you're part of the infrastructure. Yeah. So you got to know what it is. But the ministry is called the front line ministry because we're doing what has not been done before. Yes.
that what the prophet said doesn't happen to you. Look, you mockers, be amazed and die. <laughs> there are people talking smack about his message. So look, mockers, be amazed and die. I, when I read that, I thought, trip out, man. Since I'm performing an action in your days, one that you would not believe even if someone told you, as Paul and Barnabas were leaving, the people kept urging him to say the same thing next week. When the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas and kept talking to them and urging them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole town gathered to hear what the Lord had to say. And when the Jewish leaders saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy and began to object to the statement made by Paul, even to abuse him. He said, Paul and Barnabas proclaimed, we had to speak God's word to you first, but since you reject it and consider yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we are now going to turn to the Gentiles. The church that is growing out of what had occurred in the past revival, because sometimes people hang out to revival, and they, they dance around old revival fires that have no life. God is doing something new. God is doing not different, but he's doing something new. Because he's, can I tell you something? It is not anti-scriptural to stand upon the foundation that was built in the last 20 years, the last 40, the last 50, on all the prophets who have spoken. The, the, can I tell you something? Jesus is coming soon. When? I don't know, but he's coming soon. I, have a, I, I personally believe it's in my lifetime. Now, it's a look that I'm going to be in his presence. But watch this. If we keep, the word tells us not to keep laying a new foundation after it's already been laid. That foundation is Christ. But every time Christ is revealed through an awakening, through revelation, through a move of God, it happens. God wants, he never wanted it to stop. You know what happens if he fences it up in his mind? This is our revelation. You fence it to protect it. What do you protect it from? Error. How do you know that in any new move of God, there's always people that take it to the extreme that they even end up leading what the Spirit of God is doing? But you know what? God doesn't fear that. Because truth always comes back. Truth always comes back. Confirms itself. Now watch this. It says, when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying God. A remnant always comes out of that which is already established, and, some, and we're living proof of the remnant of what God is doing. Because what we have come out of has formed and, and forged a foundation inside of us. We know that the Word says. We know that the Word works. It's too late for you to say, God doesn't heal. I think healing. My wife was healed of stuff that usually the death sentence is healed. God heals. God delivers. He saves. He prospers his people. But it's time for the body to begin to act as a body so that we can be frontline people that we're supposed to be. So that when we pray and God tells you what to do, then you do it. Like David. Solomon, in all his splendor in that kingdom, they had so much prosperity that there was silver lined up on the sea. much. The Bible says that even his enemies were at peace with him, and they would bring offerings. 
a time of peace and some precedent. Did you know that we get into a place where the enemy will be for a season? Because just like he left Jesus for a season, we can come into a place where the enemy will leave us for a season. And it'll seem like history after history after history after history. God is so good. I tell you something, 2015 has been a year that we have to say, you know what, I'm going to change. However I walk with I'm, I'm not going to quit. How many of you know that the devil threw everything at some of us in this church to get us to stop? There are many that your own lives were at risk. That's why the Bible says to be in this world, but not in In other words, you're going to be involved with the culture, which is, that's not going to be your culture. You're there to invade. Yeah. yeah. I was reading what somebody had wrote and just kind of hearing their heart mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't far from what had like passed through my mind or different things. And I was just up really late last night thinking about these different things and just talking to the Lord about them. And an example that he was giving me was. Um, Around Christmas time, like the, the whole Christmas season, like all of us were like either getting over or going through having like a super like stressful and coffee and super stuffy and okay. That's right. That's right. 
And you know what? It doesn't happen by yourself. You know that God doesn't call people by themselves. He calls them in a collective body where he places you. This is why the healings and miracles that have occurred in people's lives have occurred within the context of his church. Not individuals. Did you know that revelation comes? Just like Ms. Esther was saying today to me that all of a sudden that the, the, the footprint that's on this ministry is that now she's getting revelation to minister on the spot. Did you know that you don't work yourself up to begin to do the miracles and miraculous? Can I tell you something? Little D and, and Nanny, they, 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 they stop sometimes when we're going, and, and, and Xavier does. And we go, and they'll stop and minister to people in the streets and pray for their healings. And God has done tremendous things, but you know what? He does tremendous things sometimes where nobody sees you. And you know what? I'm tired enough. Can I tell you just something? Just a little pet peeve of mine. Three people got healed with cancer. Everybody says, oh, oh you know, praise God. And, and you know what? I saw that in a big church not too long ago. The pastor came out to this huge congregation, the Word of Faith congregation, believes in miracles. He said, we've had a fantastic year. This many people got healed. In the midst of all the hardships, this many people got healed. This person was raised from the dead in our, in our, in our foyer. He was clinically dead for eight minutes. And, everybody, and, and he did this, and all of a sudden the people were just like, and he goes, come on, everybody. This guy was dead, and now he's alive. And what happens is that we grow up in an atmosphere where we believe in miracles to where they don't awe us anymore. We're not awed at what God is doing. It occurs in the context of, what, of the body of Christ because you can't be a lone ranger. Can I tell you something? When you, when you, you know what? Let me just share with you. People let us know behind the scenes that they're going through changes. Sam and I will do what we can, even with other members of the body, to make sure that you get money, that you get grocery cards, that you get whatever it is that you need. But we don't, we don't come over and say, hey, everybody, let's give God praise. And I'm just going to name someone out of the blue. Uh, my son David needed diapers and milk and gas money. And you know what? We raised the money together, and glory to God. We, you know what? It's just giving glory to me and Pam or whoever else got involved. Behind the scenes, if you're, if, you know what? God gave you a mouth. God gave you a body. God gave you a family of the church. And Jesus gave it direct command. He said, ask, seek, and none. There's, that doesn't mean you're deficient in faith. It means you belong to a family that can help you. And sometimes, it, you know, it's something that our small church I don't know where you guys keep the stuff, if you keep it in mattresses or what. But when Papa and Andre come, and when David Tomlin is come, they trip out to such a small church and give way beyond what some of the big churches that are in the hundreds have given them. Miraculous. And you know, you can expect and put a demand on your giving. If you've given, you say, Father, I know what your word says, because the Bible says to bring him in remembrance of this word. Come, let us reason together, he said. And you come before him and you say, Father, thank you that your word works. You know what you're doing is you're putting yourself back in line. You're not, can I say, you're not, you're not begging God. You're standing and bringing yourself in remembrance of this word. And you say, Father, I know your word says this, so I'm going to stand on it. It's your promise. And Father, I'm going to receive. I receive by faith. Can I tell you some faith, hope, and love? The greatest of these is love. Why are these in 
place. Hope brings vision. It's not worldly hope where it's just a, a mere wish. Biblical hope is an earnest expectation of what is to come. You know what you do is your, uh, Doc Scott used to say, uh, every time I get to the promise of the word, I, I, I hang myself on the cross of his word. In other words, you're laying your body out there. Because he said, dude, you're going to die. Then we'll put you on a cross. You're going to die a horrible death. But guess what? We'll bring you back in three days. The humanity in him was crying out, no, if there's another way, let's do it. And an angel came and strengthened him. Sometimes you need angels to strengthen you to stay, to stay the course. But can I tell you something? God giving you a body. In the body, you need something. We can't get it, we'll find a place where you can. We get on the phone and start calling and, and, and we try to make things happen. You understand what I'm saying? And, and so, letting you know that God works through his collective body. Why? Because it's the body of Christ. You're not begging and I say, well, I don't receive charity. What do you mean you don't receive love? That's what the word means. I don't receive love. Come on now. Get in a place where you receive love. Because the manifestation of faith, hope, and love. Love is a driving force. You know that the Bible says God is love? When you exclude love, you exclude God. I'm a proud person. Well, the Bible says pride comes before a fall. That's why I, I, I sit around at the house sometimes. The kids are saying stuff. I said, E-R-I-D-E. No, it's not pride. E-R-I-D-E. Let it go. True. You know, God tells me the same thing. I start to start saying, what is something? God says, E-R-I-D-E. Okay. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? We got to limit it. 2016, in, a, in order for it to be a great year, you got to let go of all your defenses and offenses and move into what God wants to. You know that what God's doing in the midst of this, he's dropping big messages inside of you. You guys are going to have a platform to share these great messages that God is dropping in on you. Some of you are hearing me. You already have something to say. Yeah. Um, you know, I would, a lot of scriptures and things that we are trying to
And what pests edibles, guess what? Some of us are so prideful that we want God to answer our way. The Bible says that he does abundantly above all that he has to do. And where's the answer? You're the answer. I think I sent out a text saying, text saying you guys are the answer. You're the answer to someone's prayer because he does things through the body of who you, you are. You're the body of Christ. You're God's representative, God's hands, God's eyes, God's feet on earth because he lives in you and through you. You're anointed to do great things for God. Now, we're going to be teaching on what great things and how to enter into those great things, but you're here, and that's the reason. Bound up with wings is evil. I like the scripture says that, you know what, young men will grow weary. But those who wait upon the Lord, you know that word wait? It doesn't mean just serve. It means to earnestly expect, to come into a place of expectancy. They'll renew their strength. But if you're sitting around waiting, you know, strength. I've been been online looking for a job. Keep moving and go up there and ask. You know what I mean? Get out there, open doors. Speak to a manager of a place, sell yourself and say, hey, and I don't mean to sell yourself like this. I mean, you know, I got to talk to Hey, uh, I don't know what the hiring process are. Tell me to go online. No, this guy is too good to be online. I've sent people online, good people on, because that's what that needs to tell me that too. Well, put up and have an application. Look, man, I got a bunch of good people on applications and you guys don't even look at them. I need this guy in my store. Well, can I tell you something? We're going to meet someone on the street. And he's got to be in this church. You guys out are building stuff, and I can I tell you something. I'm tired of church. All you do is go in and see that they're both praise the Lord and you go home and nothing changes. My world is still the same. Uh-huh. If, we're in, if we're in this community, this community better feel God. New Year's message was just this the, the message was greater works will you do. That's what the Lord said because I go to the Father. 2016 is all about the greater works of the Father. And what were those things? Everything that Jesus did, He modeled a walk. So that we could do what he did if sin was not the issue. If your sin is at the cross and the blood has covered it, sin is not the issue. Get out there and do what God told you to do. If you could do anything for God, what would you do? There's a lot of people here, and I'm ending with this, that say this. I'm doing all these things for God. Let me ask you something. What are you doing for God? And I want you to ask yourself this question carefully. What are you doing for God? Because here's the answer. Many things you do for you. Many things you do for others. Many things you do because it's a thing to do. But Jesus made a statement a couple times in the They said, Lord, didn't we keep the form? Didn't we do all these things? Didn't we close it? And they say, isn't that much?
when I pray, do I pray because that's what am I doing this for him? No, pray for me. Do I pray and ask God for a message? That's for you. What am I doing for God? I can't, I, I can't get brownie points praying and studying because those are for someone. But what I do for he has to do, those are the works that in the end never see God. Those are the ones who will bring recognition to God. God will be like, hey, I have a heart of David. I have a heart after God. What he said, he's my friend. One friend. Was David, King David perfect? No. Did he ever launch out too quick? Was he impetuous? Was he, you know, yes, all of it, all of the above. Solomon 
clinical because you're a man who shed blood and blah, blah, blah. So what ends up happening is that while he was raising Solomon to go and do what Solomon had been called to do to build that temple and to succeed in the kingship and to bring that peace, we have to keep in mind before that time of peace came, those succession of battles and how those battles were conquered before they were able to bring in the substance, David's personal substance of what David gave and what he had been laying in store. Many of us have much stuff that have been, has been laid in store, but it isn't until you give it that all of a sudden the manifestation of the temple was. So it outlines, it outlines what David gave. Then it talks about what the people gave. Yeah. Then it talks about all the gifts that were involved, the people's gifting them, you know, the, the sons of Beverly, all the ones that yeah. build craftsmen, uh-huh. to build this and to build that, and what they began to ask for. So the reason why it had to be laid out that way, and this is what I feel God has been telling, not just me, but speaking to a congregation, because many of us have come from that place yeah. where our things have been taken from us. Yeah. The enemy came in, and we know that he comes to kill, to steal, to destroy. But we're at a place where God is saying, pursue, you will recover. Get yeah. your mind off of the stuff that you lost. Get it. Inquire of me. I will tell you what to do. I will tell you. And that's what I believe you're saying, Pastor. That's what yeah. you're speaking to my heart. You're telling us. But see, it doesn't happen until we go and inquire. Until we continue to go to God, and He may give us a strategy for this battle, then He may change it up. Right. But we cannot, we cannot fail to go to God and get the strategy, because guess what? The end of it was, it's all for the glory of God to build the temple, to build that place that the people will come collectively to. And what we see inside that tabernacle, you taught so many times, Pastor, that tabernacle of David. The difference between the tabernacle of David and the tabernacle of the wilderness, David added the element of what? Worship. The presence of God. And see, that's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's the difference of other people and this church. That's the difference that we go through in that time of worship, in the presence of God. Everything that pastor has been, I'm just saying pastor the way I receive it, you beseech you. It's like sometimes I hear pastor's heart you know, practically begging. And I don't say that in, in a bad yeah, way. I but sometimes a pastor's heart is that way. How can I implore you? I mean, what do I have to do? These people, this is where we have to go. There's only so much of that and, that and are leaders. And the thing that was built upon, and I'm going to stop there, they built, built upon was Solomon's temple. Everyone says, oh, but Solomon's temple had all these designs of, of all the influence of his wives and all these things on the outside. Guess what? God inhabited that temple anyway. You know what that means? Is that the culture was being invaded, and he got offended at the culture he'll abide in the midst of the stuff that we're involved in and where we are, God comes right in there and abides. It's a prophetic thing. And you just got to understand that. Have you have anything before you get All right. Praise the Lord. Then that is it. Now, listen to what we have to do. Okay. I think I knew there was a voice out there somewhere. Uh, I'm just going with uh, what Larissa was saying. The Lord's really um, saying that the enemy wants us to think that we can't do things. Yes. And the enemy um, wants us to we put restrictions on our own self. Yes, we do. We do put restrictions. We put restrictions on our own self when we can go beyond what we think. Yes. 
that we're um, recently um, the doctors told me, uh, you know what, we found this infection, you take these antibiotics, um, but you can't take any more pain medication because it's too much for your stomach. And I'm like, oh, no pain medication? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we need Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, you know what, you, I, I went without any um, pain medication for quite a bit of days, and um, I didn't think I could do that. Because I had put that restriction on myself. Yeah, yeah. Because I told my own self, I need this. But yet when um, the doctor says, no, you can't take that. It's too, you know, too much for your stomach. I was able to do that. And the Lord brought to my remembrance. One time I was in a gym, a long time ago. And there was a, a guy next to me, you know, lifting weights. And he made me laugh because when he'd lift weights, he'd go, ah, 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 ah.